You're listening to a not-for-print podcast, independent Australian podcasting. This episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands was recorded on the land of the Tharawal and the Lenape people. We pay our respects to elders past and present, and we acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, whether Australian or American, it always was and always will be Indigenous land. Enjoy this week's episode. Hey folks, David James Young here, back for another week of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking this out. I hope this new episode finds you well. You've seen the title, you know how excited I am. This is a super, super surprising one, but uh, one that I'm very, very stoked we were able to make happen. Today's guest is Dylan Baldy, the lead singer founding member, guitarist, songwriter, etc., 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 of Cloud Nothings, one of the uh, most prevalent and notable indie rock bands of the 2010s, responsible for albums like Attack on Memory, Here and Nowhere Else, and up to and including their most recent studio album, last month's The Shadow I Remember. I got to have Dylan on the podcast to talk about everything that has been going on with the band since they formed just over a decade ago. Yeah, it was really, really cool to get to chat to him. I've been a huge Cloud Nothings fan for quite some time. I've seen them about five times. I've definitely seen them every time that they've been to Australia. want to give a massive shout out and huge thanks to Rhiannon Cook over at Positive Feedback for helping to set this one up. And also a huge thank you to Dylan himself for getting on Zoom and chatting with me about everything that is going on with Cloud Nothings. And it doesn't just stop at the latest album as well. They've been putting out monthly EPs and they put out two new separate albums entirely throughout 2020, all of which you can access by heading over to the Cloud Nothings Bandcamp and becoming a subscriber. Heaps of cool new stuff from the band to check out. So if that is at all of interest, head to cloudnothings.bandcamp.com and find out more there. Won't keep you too much longer, just a reminder that this podcast is made possible with the help and the support of people just like yourself. If you like what you hear, maybe let a friend know about it. I'm sure you know a couple of Cloud Nothings fans that would love to hear a bit more from the man himself. Don't forget to leave us a rating over on Apple Podcasts. Five stars would be wonderful. And of course, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it, we're there. And of course, if you are feeling especially generous, you can head over to Patreon where for as little as $1 a month, you will gain access to playlists, exclusive content, and behind the scenes bits and bobs from my life as a writer, a podcaster, and a musician. And indeed, you will get to listen to episodes just like this a day early. Just so when it gets all revealed tomorrow, you can just be like, oh yeah, no, I, I knew. 
I knew because I'm one of the cool kids. So if any of that is at all of interest, then head over to patreon.com slash David James Young and let's talk shop. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash David James Young. In the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch, barbandspod at gmail.com. You can follow the Not For Print Podcast Network over on Instagram at Not For Print Pods. You can follow me on Instagram at DJY Writes. And that's it. So let's cross now to my chat with the legendary Dylan Baldy of Cloud Nothings. I'm Debbie James Young, and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friend, Dylan Baldy. Hello. <laughs> How's it How going? How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Yeah, just kind of getting a... I just got a PS5. Yeah, so that was... I was Whoa, playing a golf out. game right now. Yeah, all my friends are playing. All your friends are in bar bands, and all my friends were in bands, and now they're just sitting at home <laughs> playing this golf <laughs> video game <laughs> that I just got. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to go the route that pretty much every other musician's gone and starting a Twitch stream? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not, I don't have enough time, honestly. I'm, yeah, I'm right. kind of shocked I have this <laughs> PS5 even, but I'll, I'll find the time for that. But yeah, I've done, I've, yeah. I've done, I've gone one further than doing the Twitch stream and I've started, uh, you can literally hit me up and I will give you guitar lessons. That's what I've been doing lately. Oh, for real? Yeah, I've been, okay. it's been filling up like all of my evenings. Yeah. Man, that's big business. How's that been going? <laughs> it's been going really well, actually. It's been really fun. Everyone's there in, in good faith and like kind of like actually yeah. is down to, you know, chat about music and like learning stuff. So it's been fun. And yeah. I've, I've learned things. There's a guy who just makes like really beautiful ambient music and he does it all through like granular synthesis um, where you just take like each individual sound and run it through the synthesizer that can like like extract and slow down and mess with the audio on like really small levels um and he sent me this like synthesizer he made Whoa. like a program so i've been screwing around with that dude yeah so i i'm learning things from these people too <laughs> that's awesome man that's so cool yeah it's fun this is our first time uh having like a proper like quote-unquote face-to-face conversation but i think the first was was the first time you guys came out for laneway yeah in 2012 probably 2012 or 13 uh, yeah. Well, it was the start of yeah, it was the start of 2013 because Attack on Memory had come out mm-hmm. by that point. You guys played there. I saw you at Laneway, and then saw you again at the Annandale Hotel uh, with oh, Violent nice. Soho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was probably the, yeah the smallest show those guys would play for a very long time because uh, <laughs> the second you left, they accidentally became the biggest band in Australia. Go figure, right? <laughs> yeah, they blew up. I have no context for that because over here there was you know they're not that <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of funny because like, we went yeah. you know every time we're there we kind of see those guys or like you know one or two of them at least and it's funny to be yeah, like yeah, these yeah. guys are like famous here yeah right and, you know, we're just going like <laughs> using their nando's black card and like yeah, eating yeah. free food yeah <laughs> oh mate that that's when you know you've made it right like the, the black card that you live in the dream i know i want one Totally. What do you remember about the first time the band came to Australia? Oh, it was great. We'd been a bunch of places before, but not to any sort of great acclaim. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we would show up and it would be like, oh, there's nobody here. You know, we, had, we hadn't been to Australia before, but just in general, touring was like more just like for the four of us to like goof around yeah. um, and like hang out together, basically. But that started a period where like the shows were actually sort of, you know, becoming 
more exciting yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> than you know the the kind of hang before them because like you know there were lots of people showing up all of a sudden and stuff so like coming all the way to australia and having that kind of effect like i remember i think we got in trouble i'm pretty sure actually because the venue that we played in Brisbane, possibly for oh, yeah. Laneway. It was like a circus tent kind of place. Oh, you know what right, I mean? like a Spiegel tent, I think maybe. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Sure. I forget. It had some kind of circus tent vibe, but I guess the show was like rowdy enough that it was actually sort of like was gonna break the venue essentially like the ground was going to it was like not good so i think we got in some kind of trouble that i still don't fully understand it was but it was good it was a fun time down there. have you gone on to break any other venues since we've blown up like speakers and stuff here and there and like monitors but nothing uh yeah nothing quite so violent as like destroying the ground yeah. <laughs> when you guys are able to tour again i think that's the goal just to get out there and path of destruction i think that's the yeah whatever corona didn't take yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've got this (laughs) so i begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music specifically where it changed over from being something that maybe you were watching on tv listening to on the radio etc to being something where it's just like this is what i want to do i want to sing i want to play guitar i want to be in a band all that sort of stuff like can you tell me how music kind of factored into your childhood and your upbringing and if there was a kind of moment for you where it's just like this is what i'm gonna do with my life this is this is where i want to go um i mean it was a big part of my life for as long as i can remember at least um because my parents were both really like you know big fans of music and my dad was always still trying to check out like new bands and stuff you know as best as he could because he didn't really have any friends who were into it you know it was kind of just his little private thing um but he was i think very excited when i you know showed interest in music and stuff so they both kind of like supported that from a super young age i started taking like piano lessons and saxophone lessons and things like that um yeah and then from there i don't think there was like one moment where it clicked and i was like this is what i should do but i think just slowly i realized that like i was better at this thing um, than I am at most other th- things that I was, you know, doing day to day, especially in like school or mm. something. I wasn't, I wasn't too good at, you know, I, I did fine in school, but I had no, I took no joy <laughs> in, yeah. the, uh, in the class uh, or any, any part of it, except for like the part where I got to like play music and like music classes and things. And that was, you know, very fulfilling to me. So yeah, I think I just kind of slowly realized like, oh, this is probably what I should try to do yeah whereabouts did you grow up um a suburb of cleveland ohio uh it's called westlake just like a suburb mm. yeah there's nothing exciting going on there that's interesting because uh, i i had it on good authority that cleveland rocks yeah <laughs> yeah i mean cleveland itself maybe it's funny when you are from there and you talk to people who are from like let's say the suburb that i'm from which is maybe a 15 minute drive from like cleveland you know the actual city yeah and people act like it's like another planet. They're like, "Oh, Cleveland. Oh, yeah." Like, like no one thinks you're like. They would never say they're from Cleveland if they're from this little suburb. You know, yeah. it feels like a different world. Even yeah, though it's yeah, like, yeah. You just have to get in the car and go on the highway for like you know fifteen minutes. Yeah, and then you're there. So yeah. it's weird to me the delineation of yeah when you're in that small of a because Cleveland's not a huge city. You know, it's a small city um, but even sure. like within that it's like the small town mindset like transferred over to these other little small towns so everyone's in their own little bubble kind of it's funny yeah yeah but like were you going into the city pretty often for like gigs and like i i guess like was that where you'd hang out on weekends and that sort of stuff not really you know i would go see shows kind of just with my parents honestly we would go to like big shows or something like you know nothing Nothing small and like what I have ended up doing. And I think by the time I was like maybe like junior and senior, like last year of high school or something, uh, I think I was, you know, doing a little more, you know, going 
to Cleveland. But I think everyone, you know, it's the kind of thing where like everyone's parents are like, people think it's dangerous <laughs> to send your child into a city, which like, you know, it probably is in some level, but I wasn't doing anything crazy. But yeah, I would go to gigs here and there. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, nothing. I really, it's weird because all that stuff kind of just started like once I started a band. That's when I was like, I guess I have to play shows. You know, I didn't go yeah, to too yeah, many yeah. shows before that. It just was like, oh, I have to do this now. Yeah, if I want to do this yeah. band. So that's yeah. when I kind of started really like digging into a music scene sort of like after the band started. Sure. I mean, when and where was the first time that you played live? Like, how uh, old were you? Well, the first time, Cloud Nothings, or just me doing something else? Well, let's start with you. Like, was there any? Was there anything <laughs> really before Cloud Nothings? Like, did you have bands in high school and that sort of stuff? Yeah, there was a bunch of stuff. I was in, a, like, a cover band that we only ever learned, like, a couple songs. But we played a talent show, and we played You Took Me All Night Long. Nice. And, uh, Walk This Way. Hell yeah. Yeah, it was, nice. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really cool. And we didn't even win the talent. We came in second to, like, a baton tour. so i did that for a little bit and then i was in like a jazz quartet where i played i think i played guitar in that maybe saxophone sometimes but we would play like we played at some like rich person's like mansion i don't even know how that gig came about but we did that oh and then i was in a band called ponyta like the pokemon and that's actually how i met the cloud nothings bassist because he watched us well his friend watched us play at like a high school band contest kind of thing and we entered in it and we played nobody liked us but our bassist TJ, his friend, was like, you got to see this band, you know, because he really liked Pony yeah. because we were really weird. Um, and that's how I met TJ and ended up, you know, having him play in Cloud Nothing. Sick. How would you describe Ponyta? Um, I think we wanted to be like No Age or something. It was just me and a drummer. It was uh, just like a two-piece band. Oh, and I wanted, sick. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to have that sort of like noisy, like almost ambient, like yeah. poppy sound. But I don't think that's what we were doing. Like, I think we thought that's what we were doing. But in reality, it probably just sounded like really crazy. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wish I could hear that stuff actually as oh, like an man. adult with more knowledge. Yeah. Because you know, it probably was, it, it might have been good. I have no idea. And this would have been like pre-Japan droids as well. I guess so. Yeah. This would be like 2000. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they would have just been starting at like the other part of the world, you know. So let's like mm-hmm. very different vibe. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. They they stole it from Pony. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what I heard. Yeah, they finally told. We toured with them a couple of years ago, and they finally told me. Oh so, yeah, yeah, I knew it. It was, <laughs> it was all Pony time. Yeah, give me a, a little run of, uh, I guess, what other projects kind of came up before you started Cloud Nothings. What were you kind of pursuing? Was it anything in particular? Like, were you after like a certain sound or was it just like, hey, you want to play? Yeah, fuck yeah, I want to play. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, well, I guess for me, I still was like a weird little insular shy guy at that point. Um, so this was, I would just like play every instrument and make these little like songs and that would be that was cloud nothings you know so i was i was kind of doing that with other stuff and i i had like one called cat killer for a while um that i actually did like make cds and like sold them on myspace who knows who has those now so i did that a little bit but for the most part once i finished ponyta like i went to college for a couple months and then dropped out because i had started cloud nothings (laughs) and that was what i wanted to do instead right and that that didn't play live for a, a little while of its existence right mm-hmm. yeah like it was just like an internet fake just me band yeah um, for a little while i don't i honestly don't know how long i can't remember um but yeah then we got a show offer just through you know a guy in new york finding our myspace page and that was like reason enough for me to be like i'm leaving school <laughs> yeah we got offered one show <laughs> that's 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 what's going on now Shit. so yeah our first show was in new york it wasn't even in cleveland whereabouts like what venue uh it's called market hotel played with woods and real estate they were both like kind of just becoming like very popular at the time too 
So it was like a weird show to be asked to be on because no one knew who we were. Um, but this guy just happened to hear us through MySpace. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we went and played. What do you remember about that show? Uh, not much. I remembered kind of being sort of blown away by the scale of the DIY kind of situation that New York yeah. <laughs> was uh, undertaking, especially compared to anything I'd seen in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was like... You know, the, even the Cleveland music scene is like to this day, it's it's small, you know, and the people who are actually like putting things on and doing stuff, it's like, it's a couple people, you know, and they're not yeah. like building venues from scratch to do stuff, you know, they're like, you know, you know, not to like downplay their work at all, which is of course, like Cleveland needs people like that and they're doing great things. Um, but just to like go to New York for a second and be like, oh, and like meet the guy who like built market hotel yeah <laughs> it's like what <laughs> yeah like someone just you you built this place um and you know so kind of just like realizing that there's just more going on than I yeah <laughs> as someone who had been in cleveland his whole life you know it's like oh this you know maybe other cities are like this too <laughs> you know and kind of like sure kind of starting to realize like oh, maybe i can book my own tour maybe i can do you know just kind of like the general stuff you do yeah 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 Yeah. what do you remember about the first cloud nothings tour like uh were you going out with like uh like under another band or was it like a headlining thing like what was the situation yeah i just booked it all through like all the random bands i'd added on myspace (laughs) throughout the first like oh fuck yeah couple months of the band's existence yeah so we did like a we i think we toured like the entire country as far as i can remember like all the u.s and like maybe i think we started in toronto so we got to canada too but yeah i just booked a whole big tour all around all the way out to the west coast and back and it was i remember it being pretty fun yeah (laughs) you know i don't i don't remember much about it because it was so long ago but i know we like you know because i didn't know what i was doing i remember that we ended up going back and forth between new york and boston like three or four days in a row somehow we just kept like doing that same like drive back and forth and that's a terrible drive if you're not from there it's just like a nightmare one highway and it's just like traffic the whole time so i learned like not to do that (laughs) Um, and then yeah it was just funny you know just like funny little mistakes like that but also you know it was my first time seeing most of the country (laughs) so it was like pretty exciting on that level Yeah, yeah totally yeah I can imagine taking something that you'd started, like you said, it's just this small internet-only private, like kind of bedroom endeavor to be able to perform these songs and you know to have palpable reaction to it, as opposed to someone just messaging you and going like, "Hey, good song, man!" You know, like actual reaction to your music. I can imagine would have been pretty gratifying when you know the band first started to play live. Uh, yeah, it was, and also like. It didn't happen that often because nobody knew who we were, so nobody would come to the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when so when somebody did like a, you know, the first like couple tours were kind of more just about like making friends with like other bands yeah. that we happened to play the show with, you know, because it would be like an empty show except for like the band that booked the show and like some of their friends. Oh, totally. You know, yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like what the the vibe was for the first little bit. You know, it wasn't like a you know eye opening. It's so it was just like nice to meet other people playing music, yeah. <laughs> honestly, all over all over the place, and like you know realizing that. That is a thing that happened. When did you yeah. notice that starting to shift? We always say, oh, yeah, like that local like DIY band has made it when people we don't know start coming to shows. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, that's I mean, that's funny. Honestly, it, it took until uh, Attack on Memory came out really for the shows. Yeah. To start feeling like they were uh, a viable career path <laughs> rather than just uh, something that we keep doing and being like okay we're back home from another tour uh, everyone go back to papa john's or whatever yeah um, yeah 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 so it was like three ish years of kind of being like huh you know and having fun you know having a great time um but not 
you know, I'm, I'm lucky I was young, I think, when I did it. I was like 18, you know, when we started touring. And I think if I yeah. had been like, like if I was my age now and I started touring and for two years or three years, I was just like not getting much out of it, <laughs> you know, yeah. outside of just like some travel experiences and stuff, I would probably start to question it a little more than I had at like 18. At 18, it was just fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Attack obviously reflects a real paradigm shift, not only for, like you said, the band's stature and the band's popularity, but musically as well. You know, everything kind of changes around that point. I remember someone recommending me that record and hearing it and like genuinely wondering if someone else had picked up the name Cloud. Like if there was like a, <laughs> like an opposing, oh shit, did they form this band and call it Cloud Nothing's not knowing that there was this other like, you know, kind of jangly <laughs> indie pop band called Cloud Nothing? That's so funny yeah i mean i think i think when we made that i was just feeling particularly ambitious <laughs> at that moment yeah and i like I, you know it was also the first time we had really felt like we were a good band in terms of just playing together at that point i was like okay we kind of got this down you know we've been touring for a long time like i kind of know everyone else's like strengths and stuff you know so i think i started writing yeah towards that you know as like more of like being aware of what everyone was able to do um and that kind of changed the songwriting a little bit and just wanting to try other stuff yeah because like i started you know the first two records are kind of like jangly you know poppy stuff kind of like light and airy yeah and then i started feeling like uh i, I couldn't keep doing that <laughs> you know without sort of just repeating myself yeah, yeah, in yeah. some way yeah so i think i just like must have just buckled down and been like how do i how do I change? <laughs> yeah, sure. That obviously reflected in the live shows as well. You know, they obviously got louder and noisier. You know, you're expanding out, you know, as a as a four piece and like Wasted Days, you know, goes for like 15 minutes live or whatever, you know, like, well, what do you remember about touring in support of that record? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I just remember the shows being a lot of fun. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was it was the first time that there was any sort of like positive affirmation <laughs> for what we were doing at least on like a large yeah. scale or larger compared to what it was before like a couple reviews on the internet or something and that was it and so yeah it was i mean it was just a fun time the whole vibe was good for a while yeah <laughs> it was still just like a really new strange thing <laughs> to be like touring and playing shows at that point still and like actually feeling like there was like an upward trajectory to it now and that made it even more fun. yeah so i was just looking at lots of pictures from this last little bit actually because we're putting out sort of like a little photo zine book kind of thing um of just like old photos that we all had that we compiled yeah 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 and look at i'm just looking through a lot of stuff and we just look like truly (laughs) happy (laughs) in a lot of them and like almost like a you know not to be like corny like it's funny to see us like definitely in some places like for the first time you know and it'll be like a city or a venue that we've returned to multiple times since then but like yeah go back and look at the photo of you there the first time smiling (laughs) yeah like having a great time so it's nice to kind of go back and be like i guess i was just having fun (laughs) yeah totally how do you feel like the approach to live shows has changed over the years once you had that kind of bar set of just like oh their live shows are you know like very like chaotic and you know like there's a lot of like noise and energy and all that sort of stuff like do you feel like there was not so much a pressure but like i guess a bar being set we were just like all right you know when we're going out on like the records that followed you know it's just like we got to kind of keep up that same drive and mentality and that same energy i have a theory (laughs) that our shows once we put out the self-titled record i think our shows were always really really insane sounding (laughs) because we yeah even those little self-titled songs we started playing them this is kind of like a lost era there's not much out there of like you know documenting us playing this stuff live um so maybe a little bit in my head even but we would play those songs like 
so much faster um, than they are on the record. And they're already pretty fast on the record. So it was just like a whirlwind of just like really positive guitar chords, you know, just like coming at you. And it's, I think, it, you know, if my memory serves and like some of the little recordings I've heard, like it sounded pretty crazy. Um, so even that kind of energy, I think that's maybe kind of what pushed me on to be like, let's keep doing this, you know, because that was fun you know it's fun to like be able to create that kind of like almost like physical energy from just you know playing music with some people i think that's the reason we you know do that and continue to do that because like i can't do that with everyone you know i can do that with some people <laughs> um you know if i play yeah music yeah with, yeah like, who, whatever random guy on the street it's not gonna necessarily be the same but like when you find this little group of people or like one or two people who you can have that kind of connection with and you know why not just keep doing it <laughs> and see like how long you can make it yeah. last. Yeah. Did that period of playing as a trio kind of change your mentality to performing at all? Because, you know, it's one thing to be up there and, you know, kind of have, you know, another guitarist to fall back on. But, you know, like that period where it was just the trio, you know, it, it really strips everything down and it, it, you know, puts that additional kind of pressure on you to not only, you know, be the front man, but also be the rhythm guitarist, the lead guitarist and kind of, you know, keep mm. everything driving along with your rhythm section. Yeah, I mean, like being the front man was just by design you know i'm I'm no like entertaining front man <laughs> i just yeah. kind of sing and play the song but yeah i think the big thing when the trio happened was you know the the shows themselves didn't feel strange or anything you know i didn't because like honestly when we were playing and when we play like now still in my little like you know stage monitor i only ever have like my voice because that's all I ever need. And I don't I don't even, like, necessarily hear <laughs> what's going on on the other side of the stage. Right. Um, so, like, the bass and the other guitar, like, often I wouldn't even be able to hear them anyway. Um, so, like, once one of those things was gone, it still, it didn't make a huge difference to me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, the big thing that changed was just, like, I, f- like, tried to learn how to play guitar <laughs> in a new way. And that was, like, the big change between Attack on Memory and Here and Nowhere Else was that, like, I kind of did feel like I had to be like, I guess I have to play like rhythm and lead sort of at the same time here now. Um, so I started like just teaching myself to get better yeah. <laughs> at guitar, you know, and try to fit more melodic stuff like into chords and things. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're young, I feel like a lot of musicians and, you know, people that, you know, grew up experiencing music have this very kind of idealistic view of, you know, what being in a band is like and, you know, what the the music industry is like and all that sort of stuff. Because, you know, we grew up on VH1 and, like, rock documentaries and biopics and all that sort of stuff. And there's all... Well, there's always those moments in those particular movies or, or shows or whatever where they show you the ascent and they show you the specific point and just like, and this is where the band had made it, quote-unquote, you know? And it's this very... Mm. It's this very <laughs> idealistic view of, like, how bands work work but you know as tried as it can be i feel like every musician deep down in one way shape or form has those little moments for themselves whether that's getting to tour to a certain place meet a certain person win some sort of award or just anything that they've been able to achieve by making music and being a musician out in the world like for you, when you look back at what you've been able to achieve with Cloud Nothings, like, is there any like specific moments across the band's trajectory where it's just like, you know, like if if teenage you, Ponytail you, 
knew that this is where it would end up, they wouldn't believe you. Um, honestly, it's when we like play some of the more uh, far out kind of countries <laughs> that you don't even necessarily associate with, like, uh, yeah, you know, indie rock, <laughs> um, like a place where you're like, I guess we'll go there. You know, is it this, will people show up? Because yeah, we did like a we played a show in Russia, um, in like Moscow a couple years ago, and that was just like one of those things. Wow, where, like, yeah. And we had like a day off there, and the, the guy we knew just sort of showed us around, and you know, took us around Moscow, and it was just sort of like our really we're here <laughs> i'm like is this is this real it's just a place that i don't even think about from day to day <laughs> you know it's like i never thought yeah about sure visiting yeah Russia. um and then someone was like do you want to play a show there and i was like well all right <laughs> it's the only reason i'd probably ever end up there so you know that was that was pretty amazing um we went to indonesia um once which is another place where i'm like do they like bands like us down there but we met yeah. a little group of people who put on like kind of like indie rock shows down there and we were down there for some like government sponsored festival that was very bizarre um that we absolutely should not have been playing right but they just paid us and flew us out there so we did so that the show was weird um but just being able to go all the way to like you know jakarta and then we went to bali too with these people um and just hanging out and being like oh there's people like in indonesia who like do like indie rock games. yeah and like have, have everything is you know, on the internet, it's obviously easy to be like, who exists everywhere, you know, but it's one thing to do that. And then another thing to like go and meet these people and like, you know, see their bands and like listen to them and stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's just a lot of fun for me to be able to do stuff like that. So anytime we can do anything like that, that's always when it feels like, ah, oh, glad I'm in this band. Yeah. Totally. I mean, yeah, like the band has ended up in some very unexpected places. I remember a few years ago, like I, I found this video on YouTube where it was just like a Japanese cloud nothing's tribute band like they literally mm. just played all of your have you seen this oh i've seen that we tried to get them to yeah. open for us on a tour um but i think <laughs> I, we have like a different label in japan than we do everywhere else and i think like the somewhere in the translation it got lost that we were like serious <laughs> i think they thought we were joking or oh man i was, I was oh. very serious yeah because they only play oh. like early stuff you know and we at yeah, that point yeah, yeah. were only playing like newer stuff so i was like this would be perfect yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh dude you yeah yeah everything. get the full spectrum <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so i still so regret good. that that didn't happen and i'm sure they're oh, not a, like a thing anymore i wish they were <laughs> Yeah. yeah, right? Do you feel like your approach to performing changes depending on the context in which it's happening? Because it's one thing to be playing to, you know, these club shows where your name's on the marquee and people know your music, people are coming to see you guys, as opposed to, you know, a lot of the bigger festivals that you guys have gotten to play where there's every chance that someone walking by will see you play and statistically probably have no idea who you are. It, it, it's a, it runs a real spectrum, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And you'd think our approaches would change uh, depending on the situation, but generally they don't. We just try to play. Honestly, some of the big stuff is like super weird because like I was saying, and, you know, even in like a smaller venue, sometimes I still just like, I don't hear the bass or like, I don't hear the other guitar. And it's like, well, I yeah. guess this is just how it sounds. I think most bands use a sound check to like figure out how to make it sound good. And I just kind of use it to be like, oh, it's going to sound like this. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and then like just deal with it. <laughs> so yeah, it's funny to, you know, that's the kind of approach I have, whether we're on like a giant festival stage or just like, you know, playing in a basement or something it's always just kind of been like all right here we are <laughs> let's just do our thing and see if anybody likes it and then then we can go 
home. <laughs> yeah, or like go somewhere else. Yeah. As you've gotten older, like obviously the band has, like you said, you know, through this whole time has been unbelievably prolific. Like you've just put out this new studio record, but you know there were the Bandcamp exclusives that came out last year, as well as you know a string of EPs. Like you said, like putting them out pretty much every mm-hmm. month now, which is huge. Like, do you feel like the motivation to continue to write and perform and 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 make music is the same as it was when you were first kind of starting out playing guitar in your bedroom or anything like that or do you feel like it is shifted and kind of changed as you've gotten older Hmm. I i mean parts of it have changed i think i just i do think about it a little more than i did when i was a kid when i was a kid i would just sort of like i would just like play things and record them and like put that out and that'd be that'd be it you know i wouldn't like i wouldn't labor over things too yeah. much i might just kind of like put them out there and be like all right time to go and then now i think at this point i focus a little more on like with the actual product <laughs> is you know what i'm actually making yeah I'm like, yeah oh, I'm sure making yeah 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 i want it to you know i want to be able to play it like how can i play you know i just i have more of a process i guess than i did but even that is like you know i'm always kind of messing with that too so i just i think i'm more aware of like when i can fall into doing the same thing over and over or something and being like finding ways to get out of it and out of that little trap um because that's what kind of kept me from like this level of prolificacy um, where we're just putting stuff out all the time i think i would kind of be worried it would sound too much the same like in previous eras of the band where i was making stuff yeah and then also we were on tour so much i guess that i, would, I didn't even have time to do this kind of stuff so maybe touring is a good thing um because it keeps me from releasing a thousand records a year um <laughs> but yeah no i think the whole approach like spiritually it's the same <laughs> like i like playing music yeah um, and i want to be able to make songs and play them with people that i like being around playing music with um and that's like that's kind of how i've made friends throughout my life that's how i've like literally anything good that's happened in my life has been because of music in some way, you know? And I think I did notice that much at least at a young age, you know, and I wanted to just like keep that going. So yeah, I don't know if that quite answers your question, but it's getting there. (laughs) That's all I need, man. That's all I need. (laughs) Spiritually. Yeah. We're there. We're there. Perfect. (laughs) So we'll wrap it up here. But before we do that, I asked this of all of my guests and now it is your turn. I want to know about the best and the worst shows that you have ever played. Ooh. Okay. We can start with the worst show. That's probably there's probably a lot more worst shows than best shows. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's been. I mean, it's just flat out bad gigs. There haven't been too many. There's some that we've played where like the room is literally empty by the end of it. But that's like a almost a normal experience. I feel like <laughs> for anybody in a band, especially like starting out. Oh um, yeah. Honestly, the weirdest one was I was just telling you about this one in Indonesia. That was probably the strangest thing we've ever done because um, you know we flew across the world to go play this show that didn't make any sense. It was a festival that was you know I, I, I'm pretty sure sponsored by the government. There were like girls selling cigarettes everywhere at this festival, like cigarette yeah. sales, saleswomen, which is and like the guy who was with us kept trying to get us to like buy like clove cigarettes and we were like no yeah like i don't i don't want to smoke in indonesia i don't like this i'm not starting here we played this huge huge room that was like for uh tame impala would play there or something you know like a massive right. room um and the light show was like on par with that kind of band it was like just wild lights the whole time and the audience i think like generously eight people were at this thing so it was like the biggest room like i've ever played and there was nobody there there were like eight people like on the front like right on the little like barrier kind of thing and two of them were like our friends that we've been hanging out with the whole time anyway (laughs) so like that was really weird like it almost felt like do we really have to play 
<laughs> like, do we, do we have to play this show? Can't we just come here and like say it was a vacation and get paid somehow and leave? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that, that felt pretty, pretty bizarre. But you know, from what I understand, the eight people there enjoyed it. Um, and all the all the there were more people working honestly than there were like to see the show and all those people like came up and like made a point of being like that was great (laughs) it's like okay i guess some like some fans on the on the staff here yeah 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 yeah. you'll double the audience next time there'll be 16 people i hope so yeah maybe 17 (laughs) if we're real lucky (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah but then best show i don't i don't even know the most surreal show probably was at this uh that primavera and i want to say 2014 i know it was on the here and nowhere else like tour circuit (laughs) um yeah yeah yeah. whatever time we played primavera during that whole album release it was just like one of those like weird things where we were kind of all over the place all day like we weren't even hanging out together i don't know what we were all doing we were just in different places doing whatever all day it's a festival in like a beautiful city so we were just wandering around yeah and then we all met up a couple of minutes like before we had to play like at backstage at this like you know big stage and we were like all right you know kind of caught up for a second and we're like okay let's go play and we walked out and it was like the biggest like sea of people i've ever seen in my life and it felt like i was in like led zeppelin or something it It was really crazy and it felt like everyone there actually was there like to see the show like that was like the thing where you know you like you're saying you play some festivals and it feels like you know nobody really knows who you are or anything and they're just kind of you know they're there for the festival you know and that's like the fun of it but that one it really i remember it distinctly feeling like the crowd like wanted to be there and like knew all the songs and stuff and like this like a huge crowd of people way bigger than we've ever played for before or since yeah Um, yeah yeah and that was just like one of the yeah and we played our normal show and it was great and then we left and had to just sort of be like okay what do we do now you know i think we went and saw who did i go see I feel like I went and saw like a television. I think played that year, so I just went and watched. Television. Oh fuck yeah! I was like this is so weird. <laughs> yeah, like dude. Yeah, funny, funny year, but yeah. Oh, for sure, that's unreal. The album is the Shadow I Remember. It is out now and will be out still by the time that you hear this. Dylan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us, man. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Absolute pleasure, man. Thanks. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in Bali. You've just listened to a not-for-print podcast, independent Australian podcasting.